So I just watched the press conference for the first press conference for the Liza um, Fletcher murder, where they found a body last night. They confirmed it was her this morning. And what's interesting about this case is that they had the perp. They had him. They had him on video. They had his DNA at the scene. And they had him two days before they found the body. So obviously this perp was not cooperating. Now there's there's lots of issues to touch on with this case. This case is very instructive in many ways. And um, it's obviously extremely sad and angering, right, that this happened. This woman was on a morning, early morning jog on a Friday morning. This past weekend, just this past weekend, this past Labor Day weekend, out for a Friday morning, super early morning jog, 4.30 in the morning, was abducted. They got it on film, apparently. I don't think they've released it, but they've got the abduction on film. They say that this guy was stalking her or in the area, like for 30 minutes prior to uh, coming up to her, you know, violently, aggressively running towards her, you know, grabbing her in some capacity, throwing her in um, his car, which I think happened to be a work car. Uh, but through her, through her in the car, it seems like, now they won't release this, all the details yet. Maybe they don't know all the details, but it seems like she fought hard. Um, and, uh, she fought her attacker, but he overpowered her and, um, who knows what happened after, right? Well, we can, we can speculate, right? That I don't know if she died quickly. I think she probably was raped, maybe, maybe, um, violently beaten and then raped or raped and then beaten. Right. But she probably was raped because this guy has, has, has been charged with rape in the past. He has been charged with violent abduction in the past. Uh, this guy is a prior criminal and what is so angering right to the community and to people who don't want to live with criminals is that this guy was in jail for like 20 years on a, on a, uh, separate violent kidnapping charge, separate violent kidnapping robbery charge. And the victim only happened to survive in his, his own words he just got lucky. He was able to scream for help whenever these, this, um, this perp was, you know, forcing him to different ATMs around the city, apparently to try to get money. He said he was in the trunk. He said that, um, he thinks he only survived because he was able to call for help. And this, this perp who 20 years ago was a teenager, uh, basically, um, probably would have killed him. Uh, he thinks he would have killed him, but he, he got, he got like 24 years, only served, I don't know, 20 or so. Uh, and then he got out of prison apparently two years ago, early release. He didn't even serve out his full term. And it wasn't just, I mean, again, he raped somebody at 12 years old. He had, he had a bunch of other charges in his background. It wasn't just that he, he one time abducted somebody and robbed somebody when he was a kid, right? He, uh, he had a violent, uh, past. Well, only, only two years goes by, right? Uh, he, this guy had a lengthy sentence. Only two years goes by before he does it again, right? Before he actually abducts someone else. And this time he probably raped her, uh, tortured her, probably killed her. Um, now, 
in this press conference, where is the rape charge? Have I, why no questions about rape, right? Also, uh, did he did he try to use her her did he try to steal from her? Um, did he? Uh, but I want to know what he did to her. Did he beat her? Right? Was her body chopped in half? Like, was there semen found on her? They don't they don't really give you that much information, right? They, and maybe they're still investigating. But we have to assume like that the worst was done to her. And where are the hate crime charges? No one is talking about right. No one is talking about the level of violence that that blacks commit when they do crime against white people. When blacks often attack whites, there's this racial hostility that comes out, right? And there are often, you know, cases of overkill. There's often cases where someone is stabbed 98 times or someone is, is tortured, brutalized, right? Often this is the case. Um, so where are the hate crime charges? And I just want to say that if the races were reversed, right, hate crime charges would be already being put put on the table here. They'd already be talking about the rape. They'd already be talking about torture this victim went through. They'd already be talking about how this guy's a racist, um, and how, you know, black people are, 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 uh, are fearing for their lives, right? So again, why isn't that happening now, right? There's a lot of attention on this case and it could be because she comes from a wealthy family, but, um, we're, they're not bringing up the race card. Now, why is that, right? Why can't we bring it up? Because to be fair, you know, a lot of black people on Twitter were talking about, you know, tagging her name, Eliza Fletcher and saying, well, hey, why is this case getting so much attention? What about all these black women who've been missing? Yeah, well, it's not that interesting because it's probably a black person, a black on black crime, which which makes this case interesting, you know, is that it's a black on white murder, right? It's a black on white murder. That's why we're interested, right? Because it's a hate crime because interracial crime is especially bad, right? Now, I think all crime is bad, regardless of the race, regardless of the, you know, who's, who is doing it to who, what, what are their, what are their races? But let's be honest here. The most interesting crime to both people, to blacks too, blacks don't give a shit, right? About black, about black crime. They don't talk about it. They don't care about it, right? All they want to talk about is when whites kill blacks. And it's usually the case because there's so few of them, right? That's usually the case where it's, you know, a police officer or something who's defending himself. Now there are cases of, yes, there are definitely cases out there. Uh, you know, Dylan Roof comes to mind, <laughs> an obvious example, white on black crime. Yes, it exists. Right. But those are actually pretty rare. Um, and they get lots of coverage, right? But, but what, how, what's going on? Why is there hardly any coverage? for the reverse. Now, this this case isn't even getting that wide of coverage, really. I mean, it was news over the Labor Day weekend, and I think what helps this case get more attention is that it's a, it was a female jogging, right, just do, going about her day. Uh, this was a straight, you know, abduction by a complete stranger. Um, I guess she, the what makes it especially interesting is the, the interracial crime nature of it. But also this is, this is mainly it, in my opinion, is that 
he, he, this guy was sloppy, right? He wasn't a, a smart criminal. He left his shoes. He left his DNA at the scene. That's how they found him. Um, he only dumped the body like a mile away from where he was, you know, seen cleaning out his car and clean, you know, cleaning out the blood stains or whatever other evidence that he was trying to get out. Uh, cleaning his clothes in the sink of his brother's apartment, apparently, I guess where he stays. I don't know. But I mean, this isn't a smart criminal. This isn't like some mastermind. He was captured, you know, a day or so, two days after the event. Well, less than two days because it happened Friday morning. I think Saturday by Saturday afternoon, he was in custody for abduction. They got him on video. I mean, he obviously didn't plan this out. Like he didn't, he didn't capture her for ransom money. This was a totally stranger based crime in just the fact that, uh, just, 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 it was basically a, a crime of opportunity, which most criminals, they're not geniuses. They're crimes of opportunity. And this is what happened to this, this poor lady. Um, and I do want to, this is going to segue into something I do want to talk about because a lot of people are saying women should be able to jog whenever they want to. Yeah. You're allowed to do whatever you want in any city that you want to at any time of day you want to, right? But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be aware of your surroundings, right? And know what you're getting into, right? This is a, look up the demographics of Memphis, right? It is a shithole. I mean, it's 65% black, right? This is a city where blacks are the norm. And you have to understand black crime rates. I mean, maybe this maybe this lady lives in a bubble. Maybe she didn't know, right? But um, she's living in a high crime area. Just by, the, just by the nature of living around black people in large numbers, right? You're going to be in a high crime area. Why? Because most blacks are not like wealthy, right? They're, these the, if you have a predominant black population in the city, they're not all going to be, you know, Obama types or professors, right? You're going to have a lower class of black people that live there. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of them are going to be violent criminals. And we know that we're, we're, we have lax criminal standards. So they're out on the streets. They're being bailed out. They're not in jail. So if you live in a city, especially a liberal, right, where there's a lot of blacks, you have to realize you're living amongst a lot of criminals. And this lady, apparently she comes from a wealthy family and her grandfather had um, a business, a very profitable business. It's still in the family. It's a privately run business. She's, she's expected, I guess, to inherit this business. Um, her grandfather passed away, right? But who knows her share of this business or if she's going to get anything. I mean, sometimes, you know, grandparents write their grand granddaughters out of the will. So we don't know if she's standing to inherit. I mean, probably yes. And she, her, her family probably has substantial means. The question comes to my mind, why is she living in Memphis? But she's, you know, she's a teacher. She's a regular person. Her family just has a business, a very successful private hardware distribution business, it seems like, um, that's done very well and has, you know, <laughs> billion, you know, low single digit uh, sales revenue in the billions. Good for them. Um, but that doesn't mean that she has that money, right? She's working as a teacher. Maybe, you know, and a lot of people just, they love teaching. 
it seems like maybe that was her calling, right? And her, it seemed like her husband, uh, just, you know, he's like a, a manager at some kind of, you know, I don't know, boat resale shop or something. I mean, so they're not like, they're not, they don't seem to be rolling in the dough personally, but they probably have significant assets in the family. Yes. But again, why are you living in Memphis? Like you could live anywhere. Why? I mean, I guess historical, you know, your family's there. I get it. You've got ties to the city. Your grandfather uh, started his business there, lived there, whatever. I get it. But when a, when a, when a city goes to shit, right, when there's 65% black population in this city, I mean, look at what happens when you have a majority black population in a city. Let's just be honest, right? Look at the level of crime, right? And for her to not know this, like, I get it. You're a runner. She goes to the Boston Marathon. I mean, if she can afford to, like, travel to Boston Marathon and go to all these, you know, running competitions, I figure she could live somewhere else. I mean, I guess I guess if you just really want to live in a city that you're tied to, your family's been there, I guess, right? But to me, if you have the means, right, which she obviously does, she can get a teaching job anywhere. Even poor people can move out of a shithole place, right, where there's lots of crime and violence. Like, the if you're really poor, it's harder. But she was a teacher. Her husband had some, you know, middle-class job, too. So, like, I don't think, and her family obviously has got money as well. So she could have moved, right? If she wanted to do outside running, she could have moved. And to be fair, I've never been to Memphis. I don't know if it's, like, racially segregated, right? But she was doing long runs, right? She was, like, running 20 miles. She was a marathon runner, I, I guess, right? She was a fitness freak. And that's great, but you do need to be aware of where you're running. I mean, 20 miles is a long way. Like, your your town could be highly um, segregated, right, or not, but blacks have cars, right? <laughs> bad people have cars. Not just black people, bad people have cars. So even if you think, oh, I'm in the white area of town, or I'm, I'm running on the University of, of Memphis, which I don't know if this, this is a good area. Is it guarded? Who knows? I mean, I doubt it. Lots of crime happens on campus across this nation. So um, now in this case, now I don't want to just blame her, right? A lot of people are, be, are saying, don't blame the victim. I'm not trying to blame her, but I am trying to ask reasonable questions about her sanity, like her ability to reason about what could happen. Now, you don't want to live your life like that. I get it. But at the same time, you do everything in your power. This is what I believe. You do everything in your power to limit your potential risk of being murdered, raped, kidnapped, right? Especially if you've got kids. You have a duty to survive, at least for the kids, if not for yourself, right? And she's, you know, what if, I mean, okay, maybe she had mace on her. Maybe she had a gun. Now, in this case... Right. Even if she had had a, a, a mace can or a gun, I don't think it would have helped in this case, because apparently what happened is he was stalking her and he picked his time right where he was going to do it and abduct her violently. And he abducted her violently, meaning he ran at her apparently very aggressively, grabbed her maybe from behind. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of speculating here, but they said it was in a very aggressive manner. They have the video. We'll, we'll know when they release it. It might be fuzzy, but we'll know right as soon as they release this. 
But apparently he came out of nowhere. He's much bigger than her. We have to assume that even if like, even if I had a gun, right, if I had mace or something, I wouldn't be able to react in time, right? I, I you know, I wouldn't be able to probably use it. If you want to use your mace, you, you probably have to be a certain distance. Then you have to see it coming, right? You got to prepare, you got to get it out. You got to analyze the threat. A gun too, right? Unless you're just, I don't know, um, some wild west person who's just really good with a gun. But, um, but usually that's not the case, right? So these, these tools have their limitations, right? Even, even your self-defense tool, you know, your, your objects, your tools have their limitations. That's why it's also probably good to learn some defense moves that you can just do, you know, with your body, right? Using your arms and legs, but there's only so much women can really do. Men are just so much more aggressive. So sorry, so much stronger, right? Than women and they can be easily overpowered. That's why they call the, the gun, the great equalizer, right? Because you can match a bigger force, a bigger threat, potentially with a gun. Like, that's why we like guns uh, for self-defense. But, um, but uh, it, you know, sometimes you're not going to be able to get the gun. You might have the gun. You might not be able to use it. But again, why, like, if, if she has money, she, she could have had a bodyguard. Now, maybe that's really, really, really expensive. That's like for the Zuckerberg types. But if she had money... Um, or she could have, now her case is, is, it's not just a normal jogger. I mean, it, I guess some people jog, you know, 20 miles in the morning. I don't know if this was her daily, but she did, she did this a lot. I don't know if this is a weekly thing. I mean, 20 miles is a lot and you can't really find just a buddy to go run with you for 20 miles. That's probably too intense for most people. Um, she was a serious fitness person, but, um, you know. And she couldn't, I guess, do it during the day. Not that, not that, I mean, not that during the day would not prevent a criminal from taking you. That happens a lot too. So, I mean, she's living her life. I get it. She wants to do this. That's fine. She took the risk. And this, and unfortunately we're living in a, a high crime society, right? Where, where we have lax criminal um, rules, right? I just wish that she could have and she's probably been doing this for years, like maybe decades and nothing has happened. You know, she's gotten lucky. Um, but it's hard to blame her. It's hard to, it's hard to say, don't live your life. It's hard to say, don't ever go jogging. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. Um, and even if she had had mace, it probably wouldn't have helped her in this situation. Uh, even if she was jogging at 12 PM, it could have happened, right? This stuff happens in broad daylight. Um, even if she was in a city with less black people, let's just say, or less criminals, um, maybe she was in a city with only, I don't know, 10% black people. It still could have happened, right? It still could have happened. So this was, I think a random, definitely random, but there are, there are common sense things you can do to try to not be a victim of a crime like this. Um, and again, you always have to weigh your odds of being a victim of a crime and living your life. I'm not saying not live your life. I mean, it could happen to anybody, but the issue here is that it is a tragedy. I hate that word tragedy It is a tragedy in the sense that I think it was random. 
and it was a stranger attack. Obviously, it was a random attack, and it, it was one of these cases that probably she had no chance, even, again, if, even if she had a weapon on her. Um, so it, it was a tragedy in that sense. But how is it not a tragedy? And they use the word tragedy, tragedy many times in this press conference that they had that I just watched about an hour ago. And they said it's just, you know, it's a tragedy. Yeah, it's a tragedy, but it's also a violent crime and murder, right? This didn't have to happen. This guy technically was in jail before for another abduction. Um, he had raped somebody before. Uh, this guy was a violent offender, and he was out on the streets, right, because of leftist policies, because people don't want to keep blacks in jail or any criminal offender, right? But especially black people, let's be honest, the people that are, you know, championing the Innocence Project, right, the people that are uh, saying to fund the police and, uh, you know, there's, there's too many blacks in jail, right, they only care about black criminals, really. Um, they'd throw the book if there was a white guy that did this. <laughs> um, but race does matter. And it matters because if you look at the interracial crime statistics, blacks commit far, far more crimes, right, than whites. Where blacks commit more, more black on white crimes than whites commit white on black crimes. And in my opinion... Right. So so out of all the interracial crimes, they keep statistics of this, but they only label officially a small handful of them as hate crimes. And what and what do we see usually with hate crime, hate crimes? Well, they're arbitrarily subjectively chosen. Right. So is this going to be a hate crime? In my opinion, it should be. I think because it's so it's it's very arbitrary. And that allows them to only choose the white-on-black instances of a crime to be considered a hate crime. And then the federal government can say, look at all the hate crimes the white people are committing, right? But what they're not telling you is that they subjectively, arbitrarily choose which crimes get determined to be a hate crime, right? And they let all the black-on-white crimes get off the hook. These are never labeled hate crimes, where they should be. And you know what can fix this? If we're going to have this hate crime law, which I don't really like the hate crime thing, right? Um, most people don't know what hate crime is. And it's, I, I guess it's different in different countries. But the United States, right? Your speech isn't just hate crime. You have to have committed a crime against somebody. And then they have that crime. And then on top of that, if they find that you're, you're racially motivated to, to, to make this other crime, then they can slap a hate crime charge on you. Right now, maybe it works differently in the UK. Maybe it's different in Canada. Right. And I don't know how these how these online platforms, you know, are going to deal with that because it's different in the United States. Um, you can say you hate Stalin and that's not hate speech. Right. You can say that you hate whoever. Now, it may be morally condemnable or it may be up for debate. Right. And it may be it may just be nasty, but you're allowed to say this stuff now. Um um, now, if we're going to have this hate crime charge available, right, then we need to just default, right? Now, every time there's an interracial crime, you know, black on white, white on black, white on Asian, black on Asian, black on Hispanic, Hispanic on Asian, whatever you name it, or, or Asian on transgender, I guess that's getting into race and then gender. But anytime, anytime we have racial issue. Anytime we have race, let's make it default to hate crime, right? 
Let's make it default to hate crime. That way, default to hate crime. That way, we uh, it's it's equal. It's more equal. So I have to actually go, um, have a call. Thanks for listening.